Before our message time today, we want to have a, a time of prayer. Uh, we certainly remember uh, Harry Fink's family as his uh, Omaha service was yesterday. He passed away Tuesday. So we remember uh, Barb and the children and extended family. Had a good service here yesterday with about 50 plus in attendance in the chapel. So that was a good way to uh, say a farewell for Harry. Uh, as well, um, we have other things on our hearts and minds as well, so we lift those up as we offer our morning prayer today. Almighty God, we come into your presence this day to offer our praises to you. And we, again, are pleased that we are able to be here this day and to give you the praises that you so richly deserve. You are the God of the universe who flung the stars into space and has made each one of us here. You've made all that we know and all that we don't know. And so you are most worthy of our praise. And we are grateful to be here to, to give you that praise this day. And we pray that, we would, that you would tune our hearts to praise each and every day throughout, uh, throughout all the moments of our days. We realize, God, that we live in a world that has fallen that there are people that struggle, that sin is prevalent in our world, and uh, we pray for those that are in need this day, God. We pray for, for those that are struggling and to find food and drinking water and shelter and medicines. We pray, God, for those that are dealing with the coronavirus and that virus is spreading. We pray for those who are working to contain that virus and find um, a cure for that virus and pray that they would do their very best work. We also pray, God, for those who are oppressed, those who are held against their will and trafficked. We pray for an end to that situation and liberation for those that are, that are held against their will. We pray also, God, for missionaries and, and your servants that are throughout the world doing your work, sharing your gospel, sharing your word, your love with the world that desperately needs to know of a Savior. So we give you thanks for their work and pray, God, that uh, you would embolden them, empower them, and give them the right words to say at just the right time. We pray, God, for our prayer list at church as well. We pray for those who grieve this day. We pray for those who are ill and, and seeking recovery, those who are recovering from surgery and illness. We pray for those who are continuing to battle cancer and go through treatments. All in all, God, we pray that your people here would feel your presence, would know your nearness to them, and feel the power of your spirit at work within them. Now bless our time of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture from this morning, for this morning, is Philippians, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. 
guess I've been thinking about the Philippines lately. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in any, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we've mentioned already this morning, in this new year, our sermons are based out of a recent book by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church, where Chan asks us to consider how the church has drifted from God's original intent. Over the weeks, we've discussed the importance of worship. We come here to worship the God of the universe. And sometimes we forget the priority that that should have in our life. We've also talked about the importance and the place of church as established and ordained by God. And we've talked about the priorities of the early church, worship and teaching, fellowship, breaking bread together, and prayer. Sometimes our vision in church gets a little out of focus and we want things to be a little more entertaining, a little more interesting. But if the early church devoted themselves to these four crucial things and it thrived, then what would it mean for us spiritually if we were more devoted to those things? We need a passion for pursuing God and being the people of God that we are taught and commanded to be. Well, today we continue on in Chan's book and we look at chapter five called Servants. In our Christian faith, there are certain elements that are foundational or at the core of what we believe and what we do. One thing is certainly death, Jesus' death on the cross for us and his resurrection on the third day. There's Jesus' great commission to his disciples to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all of Jesus' commands. And there's the great commandment to love one another to show the world that we are Jesus' followers. Another vital part of our faith is Jesus' teaching that the greatest among you will be a servant. And whomever wants to be first must be like a servant, coming to serve just as Jesus came to serve. Later in the, ep the epistles, we're urged to use whatever gift we have received to serve others. So from that, as well as our scripture from this morning, we see that servanthood is a vital part of our faith and striving to be like Jesus. But as Chan notes, how many of us actually come to church on Sunday morning wanting to serve someone? 
Sadly, it seems like our usual pattern is that we come to be fed, or really, we come to be a consumer. We put some money in the collection plate to help support the church. We sing some songs, and we might listen to some of the sermon and figure that we've done our part. We'll leave everything else to the pastor and staff. Well, that's not the way the church or the Christian life was supposed to be. Through our Christian walk and our devotion to Jesus, God's desire is for us to be more like Jesus. Your parents probably told you, just as my parents told me, that you become like the people you associate with. So that is God's goal for us, having us to be like Jesus and spend time with him. That's a part of the reason Jesus came to earth, so that we could see Jesus and experience him in the flesh. In his time on earth, Jesus was looking for people to serve. With few exceptions, mainly when he was exhausted, Jesus was open and willing to serve people. He was humble and willing to give of himself. And that's the model that we are called to follow. And how different is that picture from the one I described of our coming to church? Instead of what we often find in a consumer-driven church, imagine what it would be like to be a part of a congregation where the people tried to outserve one another. Initially, you might think that that would be kind of chaotic. But what, with a spirit nature, would be a humble spirit and an attitude of consideration. So there would be no burden to serve, but more a desire to serve and look out for one another's best interests. In serving each other, everyone would be built up. It would actually be the opposite of a consumer mentality. And that reminds me of the story of a man who was given a vision of heaven and hell. At first he was taken into hell and into a room where in the middle there was a big, big pot of stew. The stew smelled delicious, but all around the stew were people who were starving and looked sickly. They all held, held spoons in their hand, but those spoons had an unusually long handle. And while they reached all the way to the pot, the handles were so long that they couldn't bend their arms and get the spoons into their mouths. So they couldn't feed themselves. And their suffering was terrible and never ending. Then the man was taken to heaven. And surprisingly, heaven was very, very similar to hell. The room was the same, the pot of stew was the same, and the spoons were even the same in heaven. But the people in this room were well-fed and joyous. The man was puzzled when he first walked into the room. But as he watched the people in heaven, he learned the difference. The people had spoons where they couldn't feed themselves, so they fed each other. All of us are children of God that God dearly loves. God did an amazing job of creating us all, and he gave us all gifts and gave us the power to use those gifts. With that, God's desire is that we use our gifts and serve one another to our full potential. But sometimes 
we're content as church members to watch our spiritual leaders run on the treadmill or lift the heavy weights while the members just kind of watch from the sidelines. And then we wonder why Christians aren't developing and growing more than they are. Growth is expected for each Christian. Sitting in the pew and staying where you are spiritually is not an option. I think you can relate to the quote that several have claimed, which says, if you're not moving forward, you're falling behind. And Chan gives an example uh, of a Harvard graduate working at a local burger joint. He said that you would normally expect a student to take classes and progress in their studies, to gain knowledge and build skills, and then graduate and compete for a job on a professional level. And in the same way, Paul expected the church to produce courageous, hardworking saints who were able to resist temptation and see through false teachings. So we have high expectations for a four-year college graduate. But oftentimes we expect relatively little from a four-year Christian or even a 40-year Christian. With that in mind, Chan asks, what is the church producing? Are we producing mature disciples who imitate Christ by constantly serving others? Somewhere in the last couple of years, I heard a quote which says, your organization is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're getting now. I had to think about that for a minute, but it's really true. If you're a manufacturing company and consistently produce high quality products that sell well and maintain their value, then that's the type of company you've built. Um, High quality, good sales, a good, a well-run business. And the converse is true if you're a church where its members come to be entertained on Sunday and like to see the staff and uh, key lay leaders do most of the work of ministry. In that case, as well as in the manufacturing company, our organization is perfectly designed to achieve the results that we're getting now. And if we don't like the results that we see in church, then something needs to change, and maybe a lot of somethings need to change. If we want to be a church that worships God, loves each other, and serves each other selflessly, then we need to provide the right conditions so that our members can grow to mature faith and where they can feel encouraged and and empowered to develop their gifts and use their gifts. As Chan says, if we give up on the goal of having all members exercise their spiritual gifts, then we are sentenced to perpetual immaturity. Notice that I didn't say some members or most members, but Chan says all members, and I agree with him. For us to be the most effective church possible and serve God as faithfully as possible, we need everyone to use their gifts. There's an old expression that 20% of the people do 80% of the ministry in a church. And Chan is challenging that mentality. We need 100% of the people to use 100% of their gifts in ministry to serve our God 100%. And what a difference that would make for the kingdom of God. 
Where that is our goal, it seems that more and more the church is doing whatever it takes just to get people to come in the door. Some people let uh, their phones ring in the middle of church and uh, think that that's okay. Um, Some churches offer free donuts or coffee. Some have raffles to give prizes away. Some sponsor concerts or have funny speakers to help draw a crowd. And Chan sees that as an indication that we are desperate and that our God is cheap and weak. A.W. Tozer is quoted as saying, it's of far more importance that we have better Christians than that we have more. So Chan ends this chapter with yet another call for us to be devoted to our faith. He says that no team puts up with players who don't contribute, and no army puts up with soldiers that don't carry their weight. So why, he asks, does does the church put up with Christians who refuse to serve? Why don't we treat selfishness like a sin that needs to be confronted? That approach sounds a little harsh, but Chan asks some good questions. Scripture gives us clear teaching that we are to serve one another. So we should take this seriously and stop giving out free passes for those who refuse to serve. With that, I challenge you to look at your life and see how, can you, how you can more fully develop a heart or attitude geared toward serving others in Jesus' name. How can you work to cultivate more of a servant mentality? the character, tendencies, uh, and abilities of a servant. And if this command of God is important, as I think it is, what are you going to be willing to give up to cultivate that mindset of a servant? Now I can hear you say, well, I, I don't really have any time to do any more. I've got meetings to go to, and I, I've got work to do or I've got some things that that I need to plan out, and I have kids or grandkids that I need to take care of, and, and they've got things that keep me running around all the time. But as I said a few weeks ago, when we get to heaven, God isn't going to ask what busy work we've been doing. He isn't gonna ask me how many times I went swimming each week, or how many football games or baseball games I watched and that one hurts. He isn't gonna ask me what kind of hobbies I enjoyed, but God is going to ask me how closely I followed his son and how I served others in his name. When I think of that and how important it is compared to all of the things of this world that keep me busy, I realize that I have a ways to go in cultivating the mindset of a servant. And what about you?